Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns. I am sharing tonight's OBR Twitch mock draft that we did, the Dueling Mock Draft Tuesday show, joined by Pete Smith. I think it's a great episode, a lot of good discussion. The first 45 minutes is discussion on who the Browns will cut, sign, and uh, re-sign on their own roster, and then some thoughts on all of those positions and free agents. We make our decisions on those, and then we go in and draft for the last 45 minutes or so. So hopefully you enjoy this show. Let's get over to the episode with Pete Smith. Hey, whoa, sorry to cut off the banjo intro we had going. Stephen Thomas locally recorded banjo intro. Check that out. Uh, He'll be releasing his first uh, mixtape quite soon. So be prepared for that to be uh, readily available for you. Big day at the OBR as far as content goes, man. If you are looking for everything uh covering the combine we have you covered this morning woke up with another mock draft day 21 from steve down here daily newswire you're looking at uh a nice little piece on the combine primer from fred greetham with Traylon burks on the cover wrote up a little bit on how the browns are holding joint practices with the eagles combine five key questions around the combine from myself from steve from Corey kennan who we just brought on Corey dropped his first article comparing garrett wilson and Chris Olave and which guy fits better for your Cleveland Browns. Then a little piece on Andrew Barry's press conferences today, one from Brad Stainbrook, one from Fred Greetham, both live uh, on site in Indianapolis as the combine kicks up, ramps up. We'll have Kevin Stefanski tomorrow, and you should check all that out. Last night's Twitch show, if you missed it, was a show built around free agency and the combine collectively, talking about traits, talking about development. Myself, Fred, and Corey Kennan were on, uh, involved in that, hosted by Ian McBride check that out. That's the end of what we have up today and available yesterday. Have a great guest lined up for us today. Pete Smith. Pete covers the Browns for, you know, he's the editor. Sorry, he doesn't cover them. He is the full-on editor. He does everything he possibly can to make SI Browns Digest a kick-ass site, and um, you should be checking that site out as well. Pete does fantastic mock content, uh, draft content around many different angles not many people talk about, including production, production thresholds, uh, obviously does a great job as we have, have all sort of morphed into because of Andrew Barry doing uh, data work and age work and all that stuff. So so uh, wanted to get Pete on. Unfortunately, Steve, uh, who would be normally with us to do three of these, is not able to be with us because of uh, sickness. He's under the weather. So it'll just be me and Pete. Welcome in, Pete. Hey, uh, I think the word you're looking for is intimidated. Uh, Stephen was intimidated and couldn't make it to the show. But uh, yeah, man, right. I appreciate the intro. Uh, always, always fun to join you guys. Yeah, man, let's, let's do this. Well, yeah, I think that the, the intimidation started, I, I mentioned you agreed to come on and he just started to get really uh, progressively more sick. I, was, I thought that was really interesting timing as well. So listen, let's do what we think we have to set the table. We'll have these answers in the coming weeks as free agency kicks off, but we have to set the table for these mocks. Otherwise we're just drafting in the blind. So um, I'll cover what we did last time, Pete. You can tell me whether you agree, disagree, or would like to uh, tweak something up in terms of what your plan would be. And I'm listening all in on your reasoning behind some of these. So 
uh, feel free. We decided to cut people. We would cut from this thing, not restructure, flat out cut. Okay. We decided last time we were going to cut Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, JC Treader, Case Keenum. Would you do any of those differently? And I'd love to hear why. Um, I don't know if I'd do anything differently. I, I think they're all just interesting conversations with Jarvis Landry. My whole thing with there is it's really difficult to find a magic number for those two sides. And I think beyond the number of what restructuring would look like, I think it's also about the role. And, you know, I, I think that may be more difficult than people want to sort of uh, give credit to is like, where do the Browns see themselves versus where does Jarvis Landry see them, himself? He's not going to be content to be sort of a, you know, a third uh, receiver slash glorified coach, which I think a lot of people would like him to be here. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything you hear him talk about, and I think it's justified to say, I'm a legitimate receiver who can help a team win. He's not wrong on any of that. Uh, so that's where I think that that matchup is difficult. JC Treader, look, he, he's been great. Um, I, I loved what I saw from Nick Harris in one start. And I know he's been practicing basically forever because JC Treader is never able to practice. I don't know if you can safely project what Nick Harris did against and straight up one of the best nose tackles in football, whether you can do that over a 16 game season or, or 17 game season now, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, but nevertheless, that's a hell of a, an argument for him to say, I went in and did a great job against what would arguably be the weakness he had coming out. An imposing yeah. nose tackle was sort of the, the guy he was going to struggle with. He did a great job. So do they try to restructure Treader? Maybe. He's certainly valuable in a lot of ways. Austin Hooper's the one. I don't know if the Browns are really going to pull the trigger. They have a weird thing so far. It's not really weird. They, they they want to be true to the deals they make. That is a focus for them. Uh, that, you know, for somebody who's been trying to, you know, people have been giving me crap about trying to get rid of Jarvis for so many years. That's part of the reason they didn't is because they wanted to be true to that contract. Yeah. Um, Austin Hooper, it's a lot of money to give up, but if you're willing to do it, I think they'll trade him, honestly. I think that tra that contract becomes very tradable. If you do that, but if they are willing to bite that bullet and eat that money, then yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And then Case Keenum's the easiest one to me. Uh, I, let, let me let me ask you more about Hooper. I don't want to move on from him too quick. So, like, if Hooper's back, can you carve a role for him that doesn't involve him eating targets from people that are more explosive? I think you would agree. These guys have got to find explosives. They've got to find explosive plays. Hooper's not giving you those. The catch issues we talked about, you, you have talked about, I've talked about, anything above his head last year was just a complete mystery. He was never going to catch it. So, like, again, it kind of dials back to Landry for me, Pete. Like, if you can if you can justify these guys being these fantastic contested catch, uh, and not just registered contested catch scenarios, but when a defender's really hanging on you, right, ripping through the ball after the point of catch, they're they're just not as good in that department. So Hooper, a fine blocker, not his best year. I'm just trying to say, okay, if they bring him back another year, what role does he fit? Because they cannot pump more targets to him than David if they bring David back. And I, I I'm not as high on David as some people. I think he's got some limitations, but yeah. you cannot justify double the the Hooper targets to Njoku and expect that to be healthy. You know what I mean? 
Well, I, I'll go further than that. I, I can't justify him getting more targets or at least a significant number of targets more than Harrison Bryant. Yeah. Harrison Bryant gets open and makes catches. That's what he does, and he's become a much better blocker. So I agree with you on that. In, in, in many ways, Austin Hooper is the Jarvis Landry of tight ends. You yep. love him as a human being. You like him as a locker room guy. You just don't know how it really makes a competitive offense with him. So in that sense, you're sort of he sort of becomes like a tight end two slash wild card. And really the targets he should be getting are the ones Harrison Bryant sort of ended up with last year, which is like down by the goal line. You're dumping it over the guy's head and Austin Hooper standing there for an easy touchdown where it becomes those pleasant surprise uh, receptions as opposed to design things. And, and I agree with you. Like one of the things that drove me nuts about this offense was going into games and knowing the first drive of the game, you were trying to design plays to go to Austin Hooper and you're sitting there going, why are we doing this when you have a guy like David Njoku? And I agree with you on that too. David Njoku is a player that will excel if players can create space around him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's ever going – and he's, you know, it's tough. You don't want to say he can't, but he has not done it yet where you just say, all right, go out there and get open. Uh, yeah. He's not been that good in that role. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. That's the problem is is not only is it a question of guaranteed money you'd be eating with Austin Hooper, it's if you keep him, what do you do with him? And, and I think those are both – really viable question. So that's why I, I, I don't disagree with the fact you're making a move. The only thing I, I would push back on is I think he could be traded because the amount of money you take off that deal, suddenly it becomes a very nice deal and he can be a good player. He could end up right back in Atlanta on the, on that type of situation because they need players and they need guys that don't cost a lot of money. So, I mean, I, th- I think there's room for that, but other than that, no. And, and I, I would argue that Nick Mullins was better than Case Keenum last year. Um, I, you know, again, I think Case Keenum was always paid more for what he knew than what he could do on the field. Totally uh, in sync on those. I, I just don't with Hooper, man. Like, I just don't like if you don't scheme it, then then it ain't happening. And he's not going to make an above expectation play. And David, while we, you know, you think you nailed it with most of that, like he's at least able to go get a football for you. He can go jump over somebody. He can do something that's out of the ordinary. And it's like the same with Landry. It's, it's just, it has to be schemed. And what you, you need eventually is these good teams figure it out. The Jimmy's and Joe's become above expectation. If you want to go anywhere, they have to eventually be above expectation, at least a couple of them. And we know the Browns were defunct across the board outside of the running back group when that was healthy. So for this yeah, exercise, question. Ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, outside, of, outside of Odell Beckham when he was here, is there a single player on this offense outside of maybe Kareem Hunt who isn't a player who needs other people to create space for them? And that is sort of like the crux of the whole problem with this offense is we have like five guys that work yeah. when pe- other people create space for them. Yep. but are not players that can create their own space. I would say the only guy that got to a point where he was relatively effective was, was people's Jones in some tights. Like he started the year, like 12 for 12 contested, but those are not, it's hard to sit here and bank on those. You know, if you play with the right people, you know, like, Hey, Cooper cup's going to find this spot. We're going to make it work. Uh, you know, or, or somebody else to dig Stefan digs. He's going to make somebody miss, create some yak for us. You're you're right. Like if it's not if it's not against the perfect coverage, at the perfect time, 
it was really hard to see them in the passing game create scenarios where, oh, that was covered perfectly, but they actually made that play happen. And the only person I consider Higgins didn't. We know Anthony Schwartz was not there. Uh, maybe he never gets there. I don't know. But like he yeah. wasn't making those plays happen. And it was evident with the ball tracking in week one. And then it's like Peoples Jones had some nice sideline straddle catches. But again, he's he's so built up, as you know, it's just tough to bank on him doing things consistently. You want him to be, we're going to dig into this as we get into free agency, but mm-hmm. you don't want to bank on him. So to answer your question. No, no, it's not. It's a, it's a, it's an issue. It's a massive issue across the board. You need some dudes who either are creating for themselves or creating for others with space. As we talk about, you need space in the NFL. It's so hard to come by. So I'm with you. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll cut those guys. We'll cut. We'll cut them and trade Hooper in, in this fantasy. We'll. Uh, I'll put in here a little parentheses. We'll trade Hooper because we're nice to him. Yeah, and by the way, it may land. be like a conditional sixth. I mean, it doesn't have to be crazy. Yeah, a big a big haul. It's just a matter of if you're going to move on from, you know, the Browns are a team that gets value and they're going to try. I mean, it's not Sashi Brown where you can turn a punter into a fourth, but um, they can find ways to get guys to to create some value, and I think that's an opportunity. Totally with you. So re-signing last time, we went with David, uh, we went with Jadevian, we went with MJ Stewart, Sheldon Day, Anthony Walker. Again, you're running the ship here tonight as the guest. If those, if there's any of those guys you would rather not have or don't see them having, uh, totally willing to move people off so we can draft accordingly. No, I think that's a really good list. Uh, you know, the Browns spent two years going after Jadevian Clowney. Like, I, they're not going to be like, yeah, okay, he can leave. You know, David Njoku, I, I can see a, a, a scenario where they let David walk. But if you do that, you're basically saying we're retooling this whole thing. Like we're just and it's not it's not blowing it up and rebuilding, but it is really retooling the whole thing. It's an important position of the offense. He's still very young. You go back to it's weird to think about this. You go back to the Freddie Kitchens year where, again, guys created space. You got 600 yards like it doesn't take that much to allow him to produce. I think MJ Stewart is the prototypical program guy for this team. Um, I fell in love with this kid listening to him interview, mm-hmm. uh, like press conferences, him, him talking about everything is an opportunity, him talking about, you know, when he makes a mistake, no, I just got to go make more plays and do it from all these other positions. Like, I think he is the ultimate, if you're trying to be like the Browns and sell yourself to other play, uh, other players uh, in free agency or whatever, you look at MJ Stewart and go, this is the guy we found on waivers. All he does is step in and do stuff, work hard. And he may not make every play, but he never gives up. He plays hard. He's physical. Like, And I think he's, if he's not penciled in as the slot starter, the slot position in the that third safety role, mm-hmm. he's certainly the heavy favorite to win it. So I, I love it. Anthony Walker, Better in coverage than people will give credit for, which is weird. This is the second year in a row the Browns have taken a sort of unwieldy middle linebacker, and they've actually overperformed in pass coverage. But the issues where Anthony Walker struggled weren't his fault. I mean, he didn't realize he was signing up for a team that had no defensive tackles uh, at all. And then Sheldon Day, weirdly, hit what you know, was a guy in like training camp in, in, in preseason where you're sitting there going, yeah, he's pretty good which should have terrified all of us that he was that good <laughs> uh, and that effective relative to everybody else. But he is a professional. He comes in, he does his job. He's another quality human being 
you have on this team, and I don't think the Browns can have enough of those, which is the same with Walker. Until they've got that big hulking middle linebacker, even if they're going to live in a world of you know, def- defenses, a world of sub packages, that guy still matters and against a division where three teams who two that run the ball and one that wants to run the ball, you need to have that guy. Let me ask you a couple people not on this list, and 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 uh, I, I think I know your answers, but I'm curious for everybody else to hear them. So Ronnie Harrison played himself out of another contract. No I think the Browns would take him back on a one-year prove-it deal. Okay. The issue is that he's going to get, a, at the very least, a better one-year prove-it deal from somebody else because they'll be able to offer him a starting job. There are teams that run a defense that caters to him being up in the you know that linebacker overhang level the entire time, which is where he is. He was great against the Ravens twice, and he was great against the Lions when they had no quarterback and they had no way of pretending. Like You put him in that second level – he was fantastic. When you have ask him to play split high safety concepts, he, he just he takes he takes the bait every time. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how much of that was I need to make plays because I'm trying to make a contract or just who he is, but it was disappointing because you came out of t- 2020 and you go, this guy could be somebody who could potentially be working himself towards an extension mm-hmm. uh, and being this trio with Grant Delpit and John Johnson and massive disappointment in terms of anything that asked him to move backward. Yeah. I mean, both Malik's are gone. Unfortunately, Malik McDowell played his way out of the league. It feels like we didn't play his way, but he he's found himself out of the league. We won't waste time. Weirdly, that didn't come up in the press conference today. Nobody asked. I, I was surprised by that too, because there has not been an announcement on that, right? One way no, or and then that's why like I, I'm with you. I assume that he's not going to be with this team next year, but Mm-hmm. nothing has been you know and I, and I don't know that anything would be by march 1st but uh, you know are we gonna sort of like try to sneak him in later like you know it's one of those things where I, you know you don't know yeah well it's a weird position which we're going to talk plenty about so I, i'm curious i i think there are better if uh older veterans than malik jackson do you have interest in bringing him back or and i should throw you to malcolm smith i mean he's technically a guy they could resign if they wanted to as well I think the Browns will let Malcolm Smith play until he wants to retire. Like, I think he has a standing offer um, because he is valuable. He does play well in that role of being that sort of tweener, spur type. Play the run better in some games than you you think he would. Yeah. Um, You know, not really suited to come up over and over and over uh, up in the line of scrimmage and make tackles. Um, I think Elijah Lee is somebody that the team will probably want to resign. Um, he may sign somewhere else and then get cut in August and end up back on this team. Yep. He's just that type of dude. Uh, they moved him around and did everything with ro- juggling him on the roster, and he played a hundred more snaps than anyone else on special teams this year. And he's filled in admirably when they needed him as a depth guy. So he makes sense. Uh, Malik Jackson, another guy stuck in an unfortunate situation. He's not a full-time defensive tackle and he signed with a team that surprise you have to play full-time defensive tackle. And I remember watching him in certain games and you watch him between plays, he's walking, dragging his, his leg off the field. He was just not yeah. good. He needs to go somewhere where he can be that dual role, which is ultimately what the Browns really wanted him to do, but couldn't facilitate. I'm with it. I'm with it. Those are the guys that are kind of fringe uh, toward the bottom. I'll ask you one more current roster question. Dearness Johnson, what type of tender are you putting on him? 
Do you expect anything? Like I, I would expect something. And do you see the scenario where they run it back with all three of those guys and try to, to see what's there? Or they think they try to trade him like he's got real value. I mean, he's a real player. You know this. Uh, I think he's going to get a first rate of refusal uh, tender. And the, the reason is because original round tender is more expensive and he wasn't drafted. There's no actual benefit. It's the same yeah. concept. And they're not going to put a second round tender on it because if for no other reason, it costs $4 million if he just signs it. So yep. first rate of refusal, I think it's a hair over $2 million. 2.43. So that's your, that's your exact one. I, I think the Browns would like to trade him um, if they can get, and I think it's a situation where somebody trades for his rights um, in that situation. Again, it could be a low round pick and it may be literally the pick that they used to take, take another running back. If nobody bites and they get him for $2.4 million, I think they'll run it back one more year. I, I don't think they'll go any higher than that. Got it. Tag Tagging Clowney. Is that in your peripheral or is that not a number you want to even get into? It's it's franchising at 220, 20.1. Uh, this is according to overthecap.com. This is not Jake doing research just for the record. Uh, and then it's transition and i don't know if he applies for the transition tag maybe you know pete i'm not sure off the top of my head it's a 16.6 number uh i don't know if he qualifies for the transition i don't expect they will franchise him i i I don't think the brown i think the browns do not want to use the franchise tag at all yeah i think they use they they again this we talked about this whether it's guaranteed money and some of these contracts that people don't like but they sort of hang on to they want to cater an environment that's sort of feels fair to players. Like in a lot of ways, it makes sense. If they're going to franchise anybody, it makes the most sense to sort of franchise in Njoku because that hits right at 11 million, which seems like a reasonable number. But I think the Browns would rather sort of negotiate like a three-year deal where that figure sort of escalates. Maybe it's seven seven million the first year and then creeps up with the cap, a lot like John Johnson's contract did. Uh, I think the Browns will avoid the franchise tag with Clowney. I think if they they're either going to get it done and and he likes what they have to offer or they don't, I don't think it's going to be the Browns don't offer enough money for him. Um, He likes miles Garrett. He at least said nice things about Joe Woods. There's a lot of things, you know, obviously has had a resurgence for his career. Um, At that point, it's entirely how bad do you want to, you know, do you want to be here? And I think that you you get down to that Mike Tomlinism of, we don't want hostages. We want volunteers. And I think the Browns subscribe to that in terms of their free agent philosophy. So if they were to do David uh, to tag David, it would be just a reminder, 10.8 for the franchise, 9.3 for the transition that puts him like Logan Thomas makes eight point. Uh, this is average a year numbers for guys who have signed Kyle Pitts on his rookie deal makes 8.2. And then Hooper's your first double digit guy of the list going forward. So Hooper's 10 fives would be around the same. And then Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry are both at 12-5. Mark Andrews, Goddard, um, Kelsey, and, and Kittle are up there above above $14 million a year for those guys. So that's just to give you some perspective on what a tag would look like if they were to go that route. So let's do free agents. Having the plan that's flashing below you guys here, a reminder on cuts, if you're listening to the audio version of this, Landry Hooper is a trade, decided to let Treader go, which hurts our soul because that was such a good contract and he's such a good dude. But it's a business. Keenum is out. Then you're resigning David and Joku. You're bringing back Clowney. 
MJ Stewart, Sheldon Day, Anthony Walker, uh, sorry, yeah, Anthony Walker and Malcolm Smith can come back as well. So there's a little attention needed to that linebacker room overall. Um, and then now let's talk guys to sign. Um, let's just do, I, I'm sure you put out something, Pete, that you're, you're free agents that you're interested in, man. This is your show. Like whatever guys you think that you feel like they're really going to be after them, we'll pretend they're able to sign them. Yeah, I think it starts in San Francisco. I, I think the, the first call that the Browns will try to make, assuming a deal isn't done with him beforehand, is to DJ Jones with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, he has a pre-existing relationship with Joe Woods. You know, I don't know if the 49ers are going to want to invest that much money, given what they sort of have on the horizon. Even though the 49ers have a, a good amount of cap flexibility, which makes them sort of a pain because they're in really good shape. Um, and alongside him, if he wants to come aboard, I, I'm happy to take Art Arden Key with him as sort of that big-bodied pass rusher, um, rotational guy, because this is a position that – and obviously the Browns tried to address this in free agency last year with Takaris McKinley, and they really liked what they got with him when he was healthy. But you get to the Porter Gustins and the Ifedi Odenabos, and you got nothing. I think I had as many tackles – Behind the line of scrimmage, as both of those guys did combined, um, it just they they need more. And and the other part of that is um, they're going to have to sort of balance out the costs on some of these contracts with Miles Garrett and stuff because now he's starting to hit his contract extension. Um, I, I I would like the Browns to sign multiple defensive tackles in this mold if they can get a guy like B.J. Hill from Cincinnati. Um, that seems like the perfect guy to poach because the Bengals are cheap. The Bengals may wait, and the Browns. This is like plus they have this. The Browns and the Bengals have a weird incestuous relationship when it comes to defensive tackles. Anyway, they're constantly swapping. Yeah. Um, I'd also look at Buffalo with with uh, Harrison Phillips. He's had some health issues in terms of just staying healthy. This year, he was fantastic as a run stopper. He's not your traditional three hundred thirty pound titan of a, a nose tackle. He's Really built like, you know, uh, Kelly Gregg, for anyone old enough to remember him, who played for the Ravens. He, Harrison Phillips from Nebraska. Kelly Gregg played at Nebraska. Uh, that similar mold of just a, a guy who's just a relentless pain in the ass type who just constantly drives you and is exactly what you need for this defense. It's all about protecting the second level, and it's all about uh, uh, getting to you, getting you into second and third and medium and long so you can sub-package and bring those pass rushers. So defensive tackle to me is where the Browns are going to put most of their emphasis. Um, this draft class is not good at defensive tackle. I don't care what Brad Holmes, the Detroit Lions GM wants to say. I, do, <laughs> I just don't see it. Uh, there are a couple of players that fit really well, but it's just a difficult class to get what the Browns need. Uh, this was a, a dreadful spot for them last year. So those are a couple of the guys that I think make a lot of sense. Um, there's other guys. Think, like, let me ask you this. Do you think they go after, say, this is, I'm putting some, some clips here of DJ Jones up on the screen. You can take a look at, um, you know, I think he's the first one we put here. Maybe this is Arden Key to start. I can't remember how I organized this article. Um, so 93, you're getting a look at some, some of Jones snaps. Um, do you think they go after a youth, younger side player here, like a Jones and match him up with somebody like, you know, there's those veterans that are out there. Akeem Hicks will be on the market. It seems like Calais Campbell's open game to another year, and he's 
these guys are still playing decently. Or are you not interested in a one year older type for, for this scenario? To me, I don't care. I, I just can't watch what I watched last year at defensive tackle. Miserable. Um, I think from the Brown standpoint, if you're giving them the option, they'd love to sign two younger guys and keep them around for a little bit. Mm-hmm. How reasonable is that? I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know what interest Calais Campbell has in a team like the Browns. I don't know what interest Akeem Hicks has, has with a team like the Browns. But they're good, and ultimately that's what the Browns need. And there are certain other benefits that can come with that. Uh, Calais Campbell certainly a, a leader uh, with the Ravens and somebody that can can benefit you from that standpoint. Um, you, obviously your concern there is when are the wheels going to fall off. Um, now, he has played better football in his 30s than he did in his 20s, but – you know, he's like 35 at this point. So, you know, the, those are real questions. So the answer is, I, I don't think that, let's put it this way. I don't think the Browns would sign like like both Akeem Hicks and Clay's Campbell. Not that I think that's realistic anyway. I don't think they'd go double dipping on older guys. I think they want to get at least one of those young-ish players, that 26, 27-year-old route. And then if they need to, they can go uh, and add somebody else that's older with that i dig it so let's uh let me get out of some of these clips just trying to show you a couple guys we're talking about here for so for this scenario long we're going to say arden key dj jones coming a little package deal and then uh for the sake of solving the position we'll just throw one of the older names are you okay with hicks is that okay or do you prefer calais or do you care well if you give me a choice i'd take calais campbell he plays he plays more um, game Hicks is fantastic, but he's been, I think he's missed like 14 games in the past two seasons or something. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been a couple tough years. So, okay. We feel like we got some solutions up front. Are you interested in a second level defensive guy linebacker? Or do you feel pretty good about solving that? No, I feel good about that because the Browns have those veterans. They like, I mean, you know, we, we complain about linebacker going into every year and each of the past two years, they've overperformed relative to the rest of the rest the expectations which is strange so I, I don't see any reason to keep adding i think if anything it's going to be through the draft and picking more athletes any interest a couple of Cle- former cleveland browns out there sitting on the market we talked earlier about uh talked earlier about ronnie harrison up in front of him jabril peppers is there an interest there and in a rekindling uh or do you feel good about the group with stewart and then maybe adding a draft a, a drafted player there um, I like Jabril Peppers. I, I like him for uh, what the Browns were doing when they had Jabril Peppers. I don't like him for what the Browns are doing now. They they need somebody who can run and cover in man coverage, and that is not what Jabril Peppers has has become good at. Um, he's more of a he, he he strangely plays almost exactly like Ronnie Harrison does, just in a different body type. So, to me, I think the Browns' best play is to stick with MJ Stewart. And go through the draft again. In addition to, um, you know, keeping the strength of the unit, it's another cost concern. Getting younger guys to sort of work with this because you know, if if everything goes according to plan, Grant Delpit's eventually going to get an extension. You know, those we, we the Browns can't just keep signing free agents because eventually they're going to pay some of these guys. Yeah, the only other one's Emmanuel Agba. Say the Clowney signing this hypothetical sense, they wouldn't go out and get Manny, I don't think, as a third guy here. But if the if the Clowney situation falls through, do you think think there's interest there? I, I mean, I see a fit. I mean, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I love Ogbo when he was here. I just hate that it, it, he got hurt. He did everything, you know, that that the the Browns, this defense would want him to do. He's a guy who who can avoid getting reached. He can take away that outside run. He can collapse the pocket, which is all the things Clowney does. He's just not quite as good as Clowney. Um, but he's a little bit younger, and potentially you can keep him here longer term. He's certainly got some some people he knows. In Cleveland, Andrew Barry was part of the group that drafted him. Um, I, I don't see any reason why there'd be sort of a distaste for it. I mean, he may just specifically prefer being able to play a place like Miami because it's Miami. But I don't think because John Dorsey was a buffoon and traded him for Eric Murray that uh, he suddenly hates hates the Browns. I, I think um, the issue for Ogba is entirely going to be who else is in the market for him because he's going to have a nice market. Yeah, they're giving him a nice number there, a 15.5 yearly mark, a 30 million guarantee on that three-year deal. So not coming cheap if they end up going that route. So secondary, are you trying to add anybody else uh, free agency-wise to the secondary? I mean, I think corner is in as good a shape as it's ever been with the top three guys, Newsom's inside-out flexibility, Troy Hill. Uh, obviously, A.J. Green has come on to be a real threat uh, on the on the outside, getting comfortable to me, I'm interested in drafting, but not signing. Is there anybody you're thinking about in the secondary? No. I mean, the only thing I could see them potentially dipping their toe in the water would be reinforcing the slot. Uh, they've got guys who are really sort of just very built to play the boundary. Um, that's mm-hmm. the only place where I could see them bring in somebody, and it wouldn't be like a, a big signing. Obviously, Troy Hill, it's his job, it's his job to lose. And even having a guy like MJ Stewart gives you some added flexibility. Uh, so I don't expect them to, to make a move in free agency that's, you know, would be anybody notable. Agreed. Okay, so let's shift offensively. Do you want to add an offensive lineman? You know, to me, I'll give you my perspective. You can throw it back. I'm interested in somebody for that Kendall Lamb-like role. I like what I saw from James Hudson progressing as the year went on. Obviously still a gigantic mold of play. Uh, you know, ball of clay that needs to continue to get molded. But, man, the the mean streak started to pop. The confidence started to pop. Everybody remembers the T.J. Watt game. I don't think it's a secret that some of those were a football being held too long. I just really liked what I saw by the end of the year to fill a backup role, swinging both sides with left and right tackle, snaps in both positions as a rookie. But I see a Kendall Lamb-like role where you don't want to put yourself at the risk of running back out Blake Hance. So it's like – I could use another tackle. So is there an interest in free agency there for you, Pete? Or are you eyeing the draft for that angle? Um, the answer is both, honestly. Um, but but they're not going to wait and, and go, hey, let's hope it works out and, and find somebody in the draft. And, and there, there are a couple of guys that make sense. The one that makes the most sense, obviously, is Chris Hubbard. That's all dependent on where his health is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he – dislocated the kneecap in 2020 and then came back and then and then dealt with a tricep injury in, in 2021. There's a lot of value to having Chris Hubbard, valuable locker room guy. Chris Hubbard likes Cleveland. The Browns like Hubbard. Yep. Uh, and the other benefit, which also sort of dovetails with the Jack Conklin situation, is it's going to allow James Hudson to get basically every rep all summer, which is going to be – which should be fantastic for his development. Um However, if for whatever reason the Hubbard thing doesn't work out, the guy that jumps out to me is Bobby Massey. Bobby Massey is a functional right tackle 
who is sort of at the end of the line in terms of like making big money. He's more of a one year type, uh, but he can fit in this type of offense. Uh, He's been a nice player in in certain regards. He's very disciplined, Uh, just a, just a, a nice professional and a guy who outside of playing is involved in teaching, which I think has a value to the younger guys on this group. So Bobby Massey is a guy that jumps out to me is in terms of if, if, Chris Hubbard is unavailable. That might be a guy that they want to get. And there's some teams that may still be trying to pay Bobby Massey to start, but I think he's sort of in that perfect spot where he could give you a couple games if you need him to uh, professional player. Okay. So let's keep grinding here and switching over to offense. Like we have recently flashing up every decision we've thrown together for this mock. We'll get to the mock in, in mere minutes. Uh, tight end, is there an interest in if they let Hooper go here? When and the reminder, we have traded him of some of these guys who are trying to find second legs OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, athletes that just couldn't figure it out at their first location. Uh, or do you want to draft because the draft is like it's looking like day two earliest? We're seeing tight ends moving and they could have a value player there they like too. Nobody jumps out to me in free agency other than okay. just keeping Steven Carlson, uh, you know, and again, another guy coming off an injury depends on where he, where he's at, but a guy that they really liked uh, was coming on in sort of that fourth tight end developmental role. But this is why you have a fourth tight end developmental role. Can he grow into that spot in 2020? He was a guy who had to step in and, and play a couple games because the Browns had this weird injury situation where it seemed like every other week, somebody was out with something and he had to step in. So, Familiar with the program, understands what they're trying to do. He could step in that. Uh, you know, the, the the most of the guys that sort of make sense in terms of like adding a like a small veteran tight end are guys that like you trade for. Basically, what the Ravens did last year, you know, you trade like a, a day three pick for a guy that essentially somebody else has developed, and you're mm-hmm. trying to see if he's ready to hit. So, you know, I, I doubt, doubt it happens in free agency, although. Uh, the dude who played for the Browns a couple years ago always makes me happy. Uh, would be uh, what's his face? Um, caught Baker big Jones. No, or, the um, first ever touchdown pass. There's been so many of these guys. Demetrius Harris is not it. It is Darren Fells. There it is. Like Darren Fells is perfect. I would love yeah. to have Darren Fells back. Uh, yeah. you know he's a he's a six seven. He can reach. He can block and stuff. And then ever you know he's been a guy who just pleasantly surprises when he catches passes and he was good for the Browns. He was good for with Deshaun Watson, with the Texans. Like if, if they want to get a veteran, I'd go, I'd go see if he, he wants to come back. I'm marking him down for us. And then wide receiver. I think you and I align on not paying some of these guys, the wild money that the, the, the data does not support it. So give me guys for this one. You would like just maybe a couple feel like they're going to go out and be interested in a couple. Maybe they don't get to, but I, I think they're going to be mid-market to lower-market players. Is there people there that catch your eye? Yeah, I think the Browns are going to take a numbers approach here uh, as opposed to an impact approach. One, for the reasons you've talked about, wide receiver historically is the worst bet in free agency you can make. And, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly ready to be wrong about Christian Kirk. He's a guy who terrifies me as a yeah. largely a slot-only player. Um those type of guys scare me. Um, and then like the other guys that interest you are 
coming off ACLs and like I, I'm I'm fascinated by this like newfound brazen approach with guys who have one knee right now. They're, they're ready to sign him up. I love Michael Gallup. I, I still I'm still bitter at the Browns for not pairing Michael Gallup with with Baker Mayfield after I watched those two just absolutely joke on defenses in the in the Senior Bowl that year. Yeah. But he's hurt and he may you know his knee surgery was basically done at the same time Odell Beckham's was so they're on a similar similar recovery path and I don't know how you pay that like Chris Godwin the same thing I I don't I I don't have the balls to do that I'm not a medical professional maybe there's somebody in that building and some orthopedic specialist who's saying yeah this is a great idea do it Uh, that's fine Uh, me and my you know amateur doctor status aren't willing to go that route so Cedric Wilson is the guy I love. I loved him before um, coming out of the draft out of Boise State that year. Um, I'm not sure if Michael Gallup's injury and the exposure Cedric Wilson suddenly got is going to make him difficult to get, but he's a guy who stands out to me as a great fit. And I'm not sure the Browns won't just sign a guy like James Washington. And like I said, it's about a numbers approach. I think they're going to let the, you know, certainly – they, they would like to sign a guy. If they sign a guy like Trigger Ch- Wilson, they're looking for an impact from him. But I think they want a professional offense first, and then they can go in the draft and try to get impact. Um, it's not just about the risks in, in it. I also think the Browns don't really want to be a team that pays $30 million for wide receivers. And, and I think if the Browns – didn't it, it, I think if Andrew Barry was in charge, they would have never traded for Odell Beckham. I think they would have taken a more uh, deliberate approach in building their team, and those would have been finishing touches. And the Browns weren't in a spot to for that. I don't think they are right now in that sense. So I think it's more about get guys in the building who can add up to sort of a a a, a nice unit that sort of complements what they have at tight end it doesn't mean you can't get good players it's just i think the browns one i don't think they're going to win bidding wars for these guys yeah and two i I think it comes down to what is their philosophy i'm with it i'm with it so the only guy i'll continue to say and i've said it and people have given me crap when i was stepping in for steven in the mock drafts i i like if i'm looking for somebody trending up still young can be a fit next to the wide receiver you pick Russell Gage stands out to me. He's he did a fantastic job. Like I'm looking for people trending up over periods of time, not buying high and then them dipping low and yo-yoing back down. Like I just like what Gage was able to put on pay. Like I saw some some stats from Pro Football Focus about his separation overall performance metrics. The last eight game of the year is obviously Calvin Ridley out. Russell Gage continues to stand out for me as if they're going to spend on a guy. That's projection there is telling you it's a 15-25 guarantee number for four years could get up to 30. I'm interested in that age being right. 26 is an okay number for me. I could get behind it if they still feel like they're going to keep adding in the draft. So that I just wanted to clarify, because some folks have come at me about Russell Gage and being uninspired. Like, I just don't think there's the people on the free agent market that you think there are and that, that, that they are out there at that high cost, a wanting to come to Cleveland, dying to come to Cleveland and B being worth it. So I'm trying to find guys trending up. So, um, Yeah, I'm I'm, right. I'm with you on, on that. My only thing with Gage is I suspect if they move Ridley, it's because they want to keep Gage, and that like that becomes the totally. the rub on that. Like that's totally. the tough part. But those are the exact type of guys I think make sense. Uh, I think people are getting their hopes up for like Allen Robinson to decide, hey, I want to go to Cleveland. 
I just don't see it. I don't think it makes sense for Cleveland any more than it does for Robinson. I think it's about getting guys. Look, if you are in the if you are in the camp that says I don't think Baker Mayfield is the guy, some of the signings you're making here are for the next guy yeah. to yeah. then work. Like you are trying to put in a situation where it's going to work. So signing Allen Robinson doesn't help you in that situation if he's signing for a one year you know umpteen million dollar deal. Whereas getting guys like a Cedric Wilson, if you can get a guy like Russell Gage, like those guys who are going to be here more than one year, if Baker Mayfield is not that guy, it's about then helping the next guy, which I think is sort of lost on this, whether it's the free agency or in the draft. You know, there's some people that are like, there's no point in adding wide receivers. Baker Mayfield's no good anyway. Well, it's, it's about the position and the offense in general. The quarterback part in that, in that discussion is entirely academic. Last guy. So um, uh, Mr. Pierce here is a loyal follower of our shows. What's your take on Juju? I have been, Pete, uh, outwardly spoken as far as you're talking about value, guys, on one-year deals. Don't know if that guy wants to come to Cleveland. He's made some quotes. I get it. But, like, as far as a guy as a big slot, a willing blocker, willing to go over the middle of the field, up to hashes where Mayfield likes to throw, I can get behind Juju at the right price and understand how he could fit for what they do and how he could be a guy who fits if you are still fully in on Baker Mayfield. So I'm curious your thoughts on him, uh, if there's a fit here, and if you think that like there's an angle to, to, to make it at work in Cleveland for him. Yeah, there's two guys that I think would be great in Cleveland, uh, DJ Chark and Juju Smith-Schuster. I have 0% belief that either one of them is going to end up here. Um, and it's in part because DJ Chark is going to have a market that's going to have him interesting opportunities elsewhere. And I don't think he's going to believe it. And I'm not going to say that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to say I refuse, but he's certainly taken enough shots at this where I think he's sort of, it would be difficult for him to then go, yeah, I'm coming to Cleveland. I, I, I've, yeah. I've taken this many shots. You, Yeah, I'm going to come play for you. Um, and, and keep in mind that Juju Smith-Schuster, in addition to playing the Steelers, like there was a point where he was almost a chief. Like there have been other sort of fits for him. Uh, but if you're just talking about what is Juju Smith-Schuster, Smith he's a guy who's played a ton of football and he's still 25. Like that's perfect for what you want, which is a lot of the reason you take those guys so young. I like Juju Smith-Schuster as a football player. I don't love him in terms of his likelihood to want to come here. I'm with it. I'm with it. Are you, as we close up, I got a signing. Um, let me see here. I have us just signing for the sake of this, James Washington, Cedric Wilson. And then are you interested in a market backup? Mariota, Trubisky, some of those. Um, or are you completely out on that and you just trust Mullins to be able to handle that role? Okay, so I have a, my, my take on this is interesting. One, I think quarterback competitions are an inherent disadvantage to a football team um, in, in the NFL, and it's because of the way the CBA is structured. It's the same reason where people will argue, well, you should take a mid-round quarterback every year and just develop them. The NFL doesn't have time, and it's stupid, and I hate that it's like this. You just don't have any reps. Um, and, and so, like – or if you're if you're saying that you want competition, what you're really saying is you don't believe in Baker Mayfield, which you're allowed to say. Just say it. If you're saying, well, I want Mitchell Trubisky here, what you're really saying is I hope Mitchell Trubisky beats out Baker Mayfield. That's okay. I'm not saying you're wrong. But if you're trying to say 
this is going to make us a more competitive football team. All I see is the amount of reps you have to then spend because if you're, whether it's Trubisky or Mariota or any of these guys, they aren't going to sign here unless they've got some guarantee of reps. And ultimately, I think any competition, Mayfield's going to win because he's supposed to win. He's going to be his third year in the offense. It's not like if they, let's say they, they sign Trubisky and they and Baker dusts him in a competition, which he most likely would. The immediate response is going to be, well, Mitchell Trubisky's in his first year in the offense. It wasn't fair. And I'm telling you, no, it's not fair. It's not supposed to be fair in that situation. So why are we really doing it? The other part of that is I think Nick Mullins is an underrated player. If you go back to that Raiders game, it looks so awkward for a half. And I get it. He had one walkthrough to get ready. Like that was it. And they were still, he got better as the game went on. And they were good enough to win if they could make a field goal or make that last stop. I think Nick Mullins has a lot of value that team, people aren't seeing. He's played, I think, now 17 games as a start. He started 17 games in the league. He's at that right age. And this, again, goes back to if you don't believe in Mayfield, that's fine. Let's say you're looking forward to going, I want to give up everything to get C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. To me, in that scenario, Nick Mullins on this team has value to C.J. Stroud because he knows the offense in the same way that when uh, – this regime came into place. They went and gotten Keenum. We may have paid too much to get Keenum, but the value was, yes, Keenum could theoretically play. Well, he couldn't, but theoretically he could, but he knew the offense. He was a value to uh, Mayfield in terms of the meeting room. And really what that comes down to is having that extra set of eyes on the field, having that sounding board on the field. Like those things are really valuable over the course of the season. It's not the competition. Those things don't really matter to me. You don't see those guys getting reps. That was a big selling point for Case Keenum. He didn't need any reps in practice. You could focus on that. So I, I don't see the value in it. If you're saying you don't believe in Mayfield, okay, I, I get it. But then Mullins, to me, has more value to the next guy. I'm with it. I think that logic is very sound. Uh, I think that the, there's a higher likelihood for me of two things, a trade, or drafting a guy in the mid rounds that you would be interested in. Those are the two. I don't. I don't see the 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 situation working out well for anybody involved if they if they go the route of signing Mitch or signing any of these other uh, sort of guys that hover in the back end of that quarterback market. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We got a crunch time here, Pete. We got about 45 minutes. Let's draft some guys. So we have a plan that's at the bottom. Pete is using the draft network. I am using pro football network. Uh, I will let Pete get uh, his draft started and then we'll go to him for his first pick. Uh, you guys, again, you can see what's going on at the bottom of the screen. Those are the roster decisions we made, which are shaping our drafting. So we are going to throw uh, the draft network up for Pete here as he gets it started. And then, uh, yeah, we'll launch into your first pick, Pete. We'll try to keep these concise so we meet our <laughs> our time threshold. But uh, give us a, some background on who you're thinking and why you're taking them. Well, I mean, you know, we, we listened to the press conference today. And, and for people who know what they're listening for, Andrew Barry tells you a lot. If you're if you're listening to them, um, the Browns view this pick and they view all their picks as sort of an investment. They don't just view them as we're going to get the best insert position. It's an investment, and if the Browns are looking at this as an investment, they're going to take the player that is most likely to pay off in the long run. Certainly, that stands out, and you go wide receiver makes a lot of sense. They need wide receiver. The thing I would just simply raise is edge. And this class is so valuable and they're so good. And, you know, the guy who jumps out to me um, that I think the Browns may pounce on over everybody else if he's sitting there is George Karloftis um, from Purdue. And the reason for that is he's 20 still. Um, If he's going to be 21 in April, he was super productive for Purdue and if you were trying to make a comp for a play, for for Karloftis based on what he did, and you're trying to like project him into a role, it's Jadevian Clowney. Like he does all the things Jadevian Clowney does, except he doesn't have microfractures surgery and he's got more upside. And I would be interested in Karloftis even if they keep Clowney, because then you can put all three of those guys on the field at once. And Purdue had this nice setup where they put him in a tilt on the edge. And he's explosive and fast enough where if you don't get a guy on him, he's going to blow the play in the backfield. He is perfect for what this team wants to do. His contract, his rookie deal would coincide right with uh, Miles Garrett's extension. And that could be the most devastating combo uh, in the AFC North by far. And that's before that's, you know, could be with Clowney. So I, I'm not going to tell you that they – to me, I think the pick is going to be a wide receiver edge or trade down. And if he's sitting there, I just would not be surprised if it ends up being Karloftis. Productive, athletic, young. And the other part about that is he's never really been hurt. Yep, love it. I think there's some weird stuff about the athlete that he is coming out that I just – I can't agree with. So you know, I'd be interested to see how this week goes for him. Um, I'm up. This is an interesting trade pick 22 for 53 so they're jumping up nice which could see the raiders get you know after this kind of offer for 53 and a third um it's interesting Karloftis is off the board garrett wilson who is my number one is off the board uh, i would have to imagine that that means drake london's a little further down still some players i like here jameson williams although we're talking about guys who are going to miss time with a knee um for the sake of this draft and moving quicker, I'm just going to reject that. That's a really interesting trade offer. 
if if the board falls this way, Garrett Wilson is gone. It's no secret how I feel about Drake London. And again, for me, if Mayfield is the guy for them, I think Drake London fits really well. He can move around. He can play in and out. He's not running away from people. He's not a burner at the top speed. But like, what can a guy do for the quarterback that that you like? We've we've attacked. Vertical threats in James Washington, vertical threat Cedric Wilson can make things happen after the catch. I like what Drake London can do going up in contested scenarios. Baker Mayfield loves the back shoulder ball. That's what Drake London makes money on is the back shoulder ball. He's so good at it early. Uh, I can see where people would not agree with this. Chris Olave because he's a better runner. I expect Chris to run really well this week. Obviously, Jamison Williams is going to be a burner when his knee gets right. Uh, but but for me, if I like what a guy does with Mayfield, he plays bully football. If you didn't sign somebody like Juju, I could see this being the angle they like it. He's super young. He's 20, uh, continues to be a guy that I think is a good fit in Cleveland. So that's my round one pick. I'll write it here, and then we'll share your screen here in just a second, Pete, and we will, uh, we'll get to yours. I would also really, really like the fade to come back in 2022. I've missed it since 2018, and I'd really like it to come back. And Drake London can certainly do that. Um, that 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 was a past like the the which is sad that we have to like look back on this fondly and go, man, I missed the days of Mayfield throwing fades to Antonio Callaway. But it was a really good connection, and that's something London can do. I, I, I think Drake London makes a lot of sense. He just makes first downs. Mayfield's really good at it. If you're going to press him, Drake can be pressed by beating people shallow, intermediate, or deep by being a ridiculous basketball background guy at the catch. Now, I know, I get it. There's the theory out there with with, uh, uh, what's his name over there in in, um, New England. I I get it. You have to separate. I'm with you. He separates plenty. He's not going to run away from people all the time. So that's something people are afraid of. There's a that bully ball type of play. He still creates separation for me, and he, he's a dangerous after catch guy. He's highly competitive. So if you're looking for a burner, cool, I get it. That's not your type of guy. But for me, in terms of what can a guy functionally do in the NFL, can he align in different places, find comfort in being in the slot, being out wide, and two tight end, three tight end sets still? Like to me, that that part of it with what you get from your quarterback who likes to throw those throws and is. Baker's one of the better back shoulder throwers in the NFL. Like that's a thing you can absolutely crush people with. So I'm in on that. Yeah. And it may be Drew Brees to Marcus Colston. Is is that the connection that you can recreate? You know, certainly valuable. And and, and the Browns don't really have a guy you can just feed the ball over and over. And that's Drake London was that. And to me, uh, their quarterback, Kadon Slovis, looked like Baker with a busted shoulder all year. It was eerie how uh, much it looked like it could translate to what the Browns want to do. Uh, second round, I, I do think this is where the Browns can really find some value in terms of wide receiver position or edge. It, like Both of these spots make a ton of sense to me. My, my overall preference would be that the Browns get basically two wide receivers and two edge rushers in the first four to five picks. Uh, one, life after Clowney. Two, balancing out the costs. And three, just getting more pressure. Uh, but with that, uh, you know, the, the uh, draft network rankings probably need a little bit of an update. Nevertheless, um, the guy I like here is Sky Moore. Love it. Um, there's two guys I really like. I like him and Wendell Robinson. If the Browns move off of uh, Jarvis Landry, 
they need to get another slot guy. But the thing that sort of gets lost in an offense that you run where you're so focused on having tight ends that a lot of the times can play Y or X and be on the line of scrimmage, and theoretically Donovan Peoples-Jones can play on the line of scrimmage, is it gives you so much mo- option to motion guys and create their position and where they are on the field. So I, you know, in, in an offense like this, I don't get too caught up in the notion of slot only because the Browns have the ability to sort of decide where the slot is on any given point and create mm-hmm. that favorable matchup. So those are two guys that can really excel, excel in that area. And the thing that any receiver I think the Browns will pick, they whether it's Drake London, Sky Moore, Wendell Robinson, a lot of these other guys, they all beat man coverage, which the Browns have to force teams to have to run uh, and beat. So they, if they're going to play zone, they're comfortable in it. But they have to be able to get teams to – lose in man coverage and that's something that has been missing the past two years this is good balance because you went edge and then went wide receiver i will probably look for somebody that i really like i mean listen i don't think in my mock which i need to throw up here I, after this week's testing i really do not see Jahan dotson being here i just i just don't <laughs> see him being here yeah fourth, it shouldn't, you know, if he's a four three guy yeah yeah he, he shouldn't take the testing the film is so strong but um if i'm looking i, I would prefer in this spot to be this is such a weird location in the draft. I mean, like, um, you know, is it pronounced Majay or Majai? Or am I pronouncing I it wrong? Majai, but Majai. I asked Luke Fickle and he didn't correct me. So <laughs> I like I'll that. I'll go with Majai. I do so I, many I of Majai these. Davis, by the way. Uh, yeah, I like him too. I like him as a guy you continue to develop, man, and, and can fit as a guy who's getting after the quarterback early and can keep developing his body. Um you know, defensively, if I'm looking along the D, the guy that keeps coming up in these that I like so much, and maybe they updated these uh, because I, I feel guilty because I feel like I'm taking Logan Hall every time. I know he plays high, uh, occasionally has issues being too high. I like the the skill set inside out. I'm I'm always interested in him um, at edge. But Boye Mafia, I mean, he's he's interesting, man. I, I think he might have a nice week testing, too, to jump up some spots. I'll probably end up taking Sanders here because there's not a linebacker. I mean, McCreary's interesting. It's just I think I need to attack a guy that can get after the quarterback and can continue to develop there. I, You know, have you watched Alex Wright? A little bit. Um you know, it's interesting because he's a guy who's either not on – I don't think he's on this TDN board at all. If he he's is, not. He's not, not on there. He's either – team. some guys, like, love him and have him sort of a fringe top 100 player or not at all. Um, I think he's obviously incomplete, but he's a massive body with tools that you can develop. And there's some elements of this where, you know, if, if you're – if you're looking at a guy, and this is certainly an argument for Trey Walker from Georgia, if you're into that, is you're saying, live Jadavian Clown and Miles Garrett, who better to put in a situation like this than a toolsy guy who can learn a lot from these guys and sort of have time to develop and be put in a situation where they're going to excel. So whether it's Alex Wright, whether that's some of these other toolsy guys, I get the argument. I'm in. Um, so I think what I'll do is in this situation, I like, I like uh, Sa- Sanders enough to take him here. I think it makes sense. I think all those things align. So I'll take, I'll take Maja here. Roll with that. I'm interested in a wide variety of positions next. So uh, I'll be interested to see who you have up. I'm going to update this ticker. So go ahead on yours. Uh, I think we're on what pick 78 now. 
Yep, and I'm going to take Drake Jackson, the uh, edge rusher out of USC, and he's another guy this week could be big for him. Um, he was interesting because he was always regarded as an undersized guy at USC. Then he went to train wherever he's training, and suddenly he's put on 20 pounds. That's cool. uh, so if he can – excel with that weight as an athlete i think teams are going to sort of probably revisit where they have him ranked but he's a developmental guy he's a guy who's not a finished product he has some production he's got some traits that really make sense for a team like the browns but again it comes down to the browns are looking at this as an investment if drake jackson may not be a finished product but he's an investment you can put on third second and third down attack the quarterback and allow him to sort of grow into that role especially if he's around 270 pounds then I think you have a really nice opportunity. And I think this is what I, I, I think gets missed on sort of how this team gets covered is so many people are like, well, the Browns have to make this move for quarterback because they feel like the, the, the window might be closing or they feel like they have to go make a big move here. And I don't think the Browns operate like that. I don't think they think like that. And if you watch the press conference, Andrew Berry certainly doesn't sound like a guy who's got to go make a move. He just sounds like a guy who – looks at everything as an opportunity, looks at everything as a way to get better. And the, the fact that he used the words investment and opportunity both stand out to me because that doesn't necessarily mean player. That can mean trade, and that can mean trade for veteran player as well. And I think it just comes down to taking advantage of those opportunities and just continuing to build your talent base. The best example the Browns have on the team right now is Harrison Bryant. When he was drafted, everybody went, why are they taking a tight end in the fourth round? Well, he's a pretty good football player, and right now he might be poised to have a nice third year as the second tight end and could be a really part important key, uh, cog to this offense. It comes down to that it was a good investment regardless of the position. And, and the fact that Andrew Berry actually said the words, we think of it like an expansion team, should tell you everything you need to know in terms of how they're going to view picking players in the draft. If they're looking at this and they're coming out of this and going, it's like an expansion team, they're going to take the best players available relative to them. Now, you may weigh in positional value. Quarterback's certainly more valuable than anything else, and then there's tiers to that. But I think that gives you a, a really good indication of how the Browns are going to treat draft picks. It's a good analysis right there. So we'll jump back to mine. I'm at 78. Um, you know, I'm not opposed to going with another – um, you know, another corner I'm not opposed to going with because I'm always team take a corner every draft. I just think you need to keep adding those guys. Uh, I'm not opposed to another wide receiver. I'm not opposed to something more along the D-line like Logan Hall still available. Uh, you start to get in that in that uh, interesting, interesting setup here. I mean, I like Tariq Woolen's going to blow up the combine. Uh, there's some people that really love Darian Beavers. It's an, you know, interesting group. I will probably double dip and take another wide receiver just because I'm continuing to say uh, I think that they should be looking at taking two in this draft no matter what. I could definitely get behind Sky Moore. I think that the values are askew. I think he's going to be higher than this. But I think I think Robinson, Wando Robinson, ends up this range. He's 21 young, productive SEC football player. I think he's got a nice skill set that they could use uh, to continue to try to develop. If they were to uptick, I continue to say this, give Kevin Stefanski wide receivers to use 11 personnel the guy might just use 11 personnel. So I think if you got some diversified skill sets there, um, again, might be a little duplicating Cedric Wilson. So I could see that angle too, why they would go away from that. Maybe tilt towards somebody else like a Christian Watson body type. But I, I really like Robinson. And for the sake of battling on these two and not taking the same players in Sky, I'm going to take Robinson here. 
and we will jump back over to your speed. Yeah, um, look, it, you get to this pick and, and the board starts to get wonky and you get some interesting players. I don't know how old Isaiah likely is. Um, I, I know he's been in college for four years. That's about all the info I have on that at this point. He is really sneaky attractive for the Browns. And it's because if you look at how the Browns have taken tight ends, um, and this is dating back to when Andrew Barry is working with Sashi Brown, they have not taken a tight end who can block primarily. They have taken tight ends who are good receivers and then are willing to learn how to block. So they did that with Njoku. They've done that with Harrison Bryant. They took uh, two kids from the Ivy League now. Seth Devolve, way back, who, who remembers Seth Devolve, was a wide receiver turned into a tight end, and so was Steven Carlson, wide receiver turned into a tight end. Isaiah likely – He's really problematic in space, and obviously I don't think he's ready to step in and sort of line up in line. I think you use him as a space player, which is the exact thing they did with Harrison Bryant for the first two seasons. I think he's becoming interesting in that regard. Uh, so Isaiah Likely is one consideration. The other guy that jumps out to me and is another guy I see all over the place on boards is Leo Chennault from Wisconsin. Leo Chanel is a run-stopping just missile who also – well, I shouldn't say run-stopping. He goes forward, and whatever gets in his way, he destroys. He's Ivan Drago in that regard in terms of how he attacks the ball. And he's interesting to me because he's a really effective pass rusher as a, as a, as a linebacker. And given what some of the things I've seen from Joe Woods – where like they, they one of the things they they did defensively that I really liked was having Miles Garrett uh, and and Takaris McKinley on the on the edges, having Jadevian Clowney as like a three, and then lining up a linebacker over the guard because then the guard has to be honest to it, even if that linebacker ultimately just drops back into coverage. Leo Chanel is the type of guy you can actually send from that position and allow him to just be a wrecking ball, and he's also a guy who's going to specialize in being a run stopper. So he'd be sort of the future of where Anthony Walker Jr. would ultimately go if they can get that to work right. Um, he's interesting. I've seen him, you know, as a fringe second round guy. Here he's a fringe top 100 guy. He's the type of guy where I could see Joe Woods being, because he just likes these guys, he can sort of plug in and find roles for them uh, and specialize in a way that allows them to be uh, really effective. For the sake of this, though, I'm going to take – Isaiah likely um, and potentially be dead wrong about his age and find out he's 26 years old or something and completely wrong. But Steve says have, he's 21, just for the record. I don't know how Steve finds these things. He like calls their parents. Oh, then I, that abs I would take Isaiah likely in a heartbeat. He is a matchup problem. And those are the guys that like, this is what you need. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a wide receiver. I get it. I'm not, I'm certainly probably going to take another wide receiver here, but if the, you know, you've, Talked about some uh, the kid from Colorado State, Trey McBride is interesting. There's a lot of these mm -hmm. interesting tight ends. Isaiah Likely is a guy who stands out in terms of the type of mold the Browns have liked. The only thing he's different in, in the first two drafts, and some of this is a result of the pandemic, is he'd be the small school guy the Browns have taken. Uh, at, at, you know, so would Sky Moore. They've not taken anyone who hasn't been a Power Five guy. But other than that, he sort of fits a lot of the trends that the Browns like. 
Dig it. I think tight end is interesting, even if they uh, decide to go in different directions uh, with maybe Fells or something like that. I do. I do expect them to be interested in that market. I'm going to take Logan Hall here. Think the value at 98 is wild uh, to get that player for the versatility he brings. He can he can continue to get better with his play level. Uh, I have no problem going higher on him. I'm going to take him at 98. And then um, and you can see at the bottom, somebody asked earlier about. Uh, who we've selected the picks will come across the bottom of your screen i'll just make my pick 106 real quick since i'm already up listen sky Moore is an unknown person in this uh hypothetical world so he's still available um interesting group left uh let's see there was a t- a corner i like goodrich a little over he's not not as uh, visible because of andrew booth um he was good. I like. I'm a fan of Mario Goodrich for the record. Yeah, me too. He had a me very too. nice, solid season, and at a program that doesn't typically produce guys who get a lot of on-ball production, he mm-hmm. got a ton of it. And agreed. And nice senior bowl too. I thought it was. He did. Was he did. And and he, you know, it's tough because at Clemson, some of these guys are on the field as freshmen or sophomores. He had to wait his turn and and get on their senior. And I thought he had a really nice year. And it obviously hurt that they were bad this year. So some of those guys, you know, a lot of those guys are sort of overlooked by virtue of the fact that Clemson was a disappointment. Yeah, I'm going to take him because he's the best one that I've looked at that I like at this spot. I mean, I'm interested in offense. I mean, there's some tight ends that I'm interested in a little later. I am really interested in in Rosenthal, the tackle out of Kentucky, an interesting, interesting player. Um, a couple others that I could flirt around with here, but at this spot, I want to get somebody I think can still impact. And I think, I think Goodrich is a guy I've taken in these mocks before. I'll continue to be interested in him about 106 is the area. So back over to you, Pete. Yeah, Mario Goodrich was the one corner I found at the senior bowl that made sense as a target for the Browns. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's interesting. He's got a nice body. He's got a lot of tools. Uh, he's interesting. Uh, yeah, so we we talked about, we, we caught J.C. Treader. So the Browns are, are going to have to find a backup center somewhere or backup interior somewhere. Maybe that's Blake Hance. Uh, you know, maybe they have somebody else in mind for that. Maybe they sign a free agent. But if they don't, if they don't and they end up in the draft and they're sitting there going, we need a guy. Donovan West is a fascinating guy who's right in the age bracket where Nick Harris was. I think he's 21 yep. and he's played a ton of football. And, and it's unfortunate the Arizona State has fallen on hard times. I'll pour one out for Kyle Murphy. I'm sorry about your football program. It did used to be good. It know. did. But Donovan West is a guy, and they, they've got a couple. You know, Arizona State was bad on the field. They've got a couple of really nice prospects, and I think Donovan West is a guy who fits right in sort of the wheelhouse of where the Browns are at in terms of what they look for in the center. But he does have the added ability uh, of just like Nick Harris did, although he's a little bit bigger and more suited to play it. In the NFL, he has played a ton of guard. I like it. I like it. Um, for me, I'm going to go on my side, and I'm going to say, in a hypothetical world, they like Michael Dunn enough. They like Hans inside enough. They like the kid, the kid from Grambling. What's his name? Moore. Uh, maybe they like it's him. More, yeah. yeah, maybe they think they can develop him, and they didn't get a tackle, or they they, they want to keep flirting with young tackles. I'm going to take Rosenthal here. I believe it's I'm at one something 117 Uh, like is a like he's a big dude. He's on the young side of the scale. Good length. Uh, I think he can continue to be a a similar player to Hudson in developmental 
uh, player that could, again, you know, step in down the line and be a competing guy for the right tackle role when Conklin is, is finished uh, with that, whatever contract they decide to cut him off on. So we'll go back to you, Pete, and throw up uh, your 116 is your yeah, that's pick. That's tough because it's, tough it's an interesting op- option uh, for the Browns because they, I, I do think they're going to try to target another young tackle. There's a couple of guys that stand out to me. Uh, I know Max Mitchell is a, is a, a Steven brand pick. Mm-hmm. Um, the kid from Penn state is somebody I think that the Browns might be interested in. He's really young and he's played a ton of football, yeah. even though this past year he was not as effective. Um, but he's a guy I would keep an eye on. And in, in terms of what the Browns want, uh, you know, with, with who they have running the, you know, the offensive line and having, Bill Callahan, they're really interesting in that they, they can sort of take mold, uh, balls of clay and sort of mold them and be uh, patient with them and, and and take that. So I'm curious to see what they do with that. Uh, for me, uh, this is tough. I love Khalil Shakir. I, I absolutely adore him. I don't care that his arms are short relative to, you know, his wingspan is short. He is the type of, you know who he is? He's Jarvis Landry. He yeah. is uber competitive. He, uh, you know, he is the guy who just goes and catches the football. He has produced a ton in two, the past two seasons. He is fearless going over and making catches. He will drop the occasional ball that he shouldn't. He's there's so much to like about him, but you know, I I, I, I hesitate to take him, and only because I took Sky Moore. Uh, and again, maybe maybe I shouldn't because again, it comes down to it's an investment. What's the best way to invest? Um, the guy I'm sort of interested in, and and may not make a ton of sense for the Browns in terms of like physical tools, but does fit in terms of sort of like a size profile and a in a, a role. You know, you're in the fourth round. You get to day three. You're, you're trying to find guys who are going to make the roster. Yeah, you know, the first th- first three, first two to three rounds, you're sitting there going, "I want two contract guys." Third third day, you're sort of, "I just want guys who are going to make my team." And the guy I think that can do that for the Browns is Justin Ross. Um, not super athletic, but he's big and he catches balls in traffic. In in a lot of ways, he is really the the uh, the you know, the, the, the guy working on a budget's Drake London. Um, yeah. He's not as skilled. I, I, I Drake London, I, I compare to, you know, because he is, I compare to a basketball player. That's really how he gets open is he's that first step quickness type guy. But you know, a guy like Justin Ross is sort of that same guy in terms of how he wins. He's a contested guy. He's a win with his size type guy. He's a, a guy who wins with positioning. Yep. Dig it. I'm in on that pick. I like uh, if the medicals check out, which is a big week for him, then, then yeah, could totally fall in line there. Listen, I talked about in free agency, not going out and spending too much on the secondary and maybe drafting some guys. I'm going to hold true to that plan. I like Brian cook out of Cincinnati, uh, especially as a moldable split safety guy can play a little center field. You got to sort of keep your eye on this. I know we're talking about MJ Stewart in the immediate, but like you're competing with Richard LeCount and who who was uh, you know did not have a great rookie year by all accounts of not even on field stuff but the off field stuff seemed to get strange too with some suspensions but Brian Cook experienced can play downhill can play with his with his with his feet working behind him uh, with his, you know out in front of him working backward I like a lot of what I've seen from Cook 
I think here is maybe a stretch. I think maybe he's gone by this point, but I could also see there's some other safeties people like in this class. Nick Cross, the Maryland kid. I know Jeff, our boy Jeff Lloyd is all in on Nick. I, I totally understand that angle too. I need to see the testing on Cook, but as I sit here and just base it on film and what he can do and fit as maybe like, again, John Johnson's deal starts to become less and less guaranteed into 23. I like having a plan there and Cook is an interesting player for me that I like at that value. Yeah, he was the brains of the operation on Cincinnati, and that's a defense yep. that has produced a lot of quality players. Um, I, you know, he is sm- at the very least he's going to be smart. He may be athletically slightly limited. I wouldn't say he's a bad athlete, but he's a guy who just made the most of every opportunity he had down there. So, yeah, uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, One fifty four. Uh, you know, you start getting here, and and it, again, it just com- comes down to. Get guys you like. Um, you know, if the Browns really want to go nuts, it, it, and a lot of this is going to depend on free agency, uh, one guy that becomes a really interesting option and fits sort of the mold the Browns have taken in a couple of wide receivers is Eric Ezukanma uh, from Texas Tech. He's a height, weight, speed guy. Um, he looks a lot physically like Donovan Peoples-Jones. Might not even be that developed, um, but he produced quite a bit for Texas Tech. And he's physical. He's strong. Um, there's a lot to like about what he can do. Uh, uh, you know, he's he's the type of guy where if he's successful and a starter in two years, I don't think anybody would be terribly surprised. And likewise, I don't think anybody would be terribly surprised if he's sort of uh, a fringe roster guy or not in the league in two years. Um, a lot to work with, but uh, you know, I, I'm kind of curious to see how the Browns approach this because it seems like they put a significant amount of value in what Chad O'Shea can teach guys. And obviously it's going to be a big test for him in terms of what they can get out of Anthony Schwartz, who is 21 years old. Uh, I don't know if he's ever going to figure it out, but he's also 21 years old and he has track speed and he's six foot with good size. So if he can't figure it out, he's going to be valuable. Even if he's just like a wide receiver four. um, just what he can do is certainly valuable. So I'll take Eric Ezukanma. I know this is the third receiver I'm taking, but the Browns need a lot of dudes. And this gives them another guy who can potentially compete on the boundary and may, may not even make the team, maybe on the practice squad. Um, so that that's going to be interesting to see what he can do. I like that. Um, we're up to pick one. Go ahead and make your 192 pick because I'll jump to mine after you make yours. Well, I, I would note that the draft network does not allow, does not have kickers and punters. Yeah. Um, and this is the, pro- <laughs> the, you read my mind. <laughs> this is the, this is the point of the draft where I think the Browns are going to be looking at both kicker and punter. And again, I know there are going to be a lot of people who are like, man, you're wasting draft picks on a punter or kicker or whatever. And it, you look at it and it's about, you get to this point, it's about who's going to be on my roster in September. Who's going to make this team. And it's not to say that there aren't guys who uh, the Browns can pick because I'm going to pick one, I think, to make the team. Uh, but, you know, if, if you're going to pick a guy who can make the team and is a kicker punter, and this is a good punter class, which is – I cringe just acknowledging that I know that. Um, it's an you have to, game, Pete. This is the situation they put us in. No, right? it, the NFL has forgotten how to punt. It's yes. insane. that they're, We're on a third team who's excited about Jamie Gillen's potential um in in six months so it's crazy but 
The guy I will take is, is Percy Butler out of Louisiana uh, Lafayette. Um, Percy Butler is a guy who plays in a who played in a defense that is really similar to what the Browns do. He's played free safety. He's played strong safety. He's played a lot in the slot and in the box, and he also has experience on special teams. So he plays all three spots that the Browns use in their defense, and he contributes on special teams. His grades are interesting. His tackling is terrible, but he is a guy who can cover, which is step one. And if you can get a guy who can cover at those three spots, that's valuable. Uh, you know, we'll see how he, how he turns out, but I think he's ultimately going to test pretty well. He's interesting to me. I think he's uh, in some ways an undervalued prospect. Like it. I am going to go, I'm going to go committed to the, the specials. I know you would have, if you had the opportunity, maybe you would have, if you had that opportunity. So I'm going to pull mine up. Listen, I'm all in on this kid. The Matt Areza, you know, I, I hope I'm saying his last <laughs> name, right? Punt God. How can you not be? I'm like the kicking element. I know he's kicking is faded as his punting has gotten stronger, but like, I'm not calling this a one position deal. It's never going to be that. I think you got too much to focus on, on each thing, but like you just, the foot alone as a punter's great. He can step in and kick like when you need somebody to kick. A lot of punters can never be kickers. Think about the Steelers situation. You know, I've said this on almost every pod. I've had the chance to work on PFN side because they let me pick him, but like, you know, you lose a kicker and you got nobody. The punters can't kick. Kickers seem to be able to punt because it's a more natural thing, but kicker punters cannot kick. And if you can kick when you need it in a pinch, you know, like that's another added element to what I think is already good. I need guys, like you said, this is a forgotten aspect of the game where flip, can you flip the field? Can you flip the field, especially how many games did the Browns play where it just comes down to a possession? It comes down to a single possession and being able to turn the field and flip it. And you would get one of those out of every 10 from Jamie Gillen. And you're like, this is so frustrating. You need to be able to do it. A punter's taken every year. So this is not outside uh, out of the orthodox here. The kid can crush it and i think you need to take the guy you think there uh between the kicker side the only kicker i mean the kid from texas and maybe it was already picked in this whole thing he's he's interesting but i don't love a kicker in this draft i'm not tied to the idea of a kicker but i'm tired of the punting issue so i'm taking a punter here and i like him you know so anyway that's what i got Pete. well the, the brunts finished if you if you go by rick goslin's sort of rankings he, he always does his uh his comprehensive rankings, the Browns finished 30th out of 32 teams. I mean, they were bad. And yes, it's terrible. And, and, and kicker and punter were horrendous. Um, I would argue, you know, we look at the 8-9 record and we go, if the offense was simply as good as the year before, they would have been the playoffs and maybe a contender. I would argue if the Browns special teams was simply functional, they win at least one more game. They win at least that Raiders game. And they may have won, won a couple more if they were good. In other yeah. words – the Browns were dead last within the division on special teams. And if they were good on special teams, they might've still made the playoffs with everything that went wrong this year still might've been the playoffs. So as much as you don't like to, to have to, you know, talk about uh, taking a punter, I, I'm a hundred percent with it. Field position, the amount of hidden yard, I, I, you know, I, I wish I, I'm sure somebody has tracked it somewhere. The Browns were butchered on hidden yardage lost in like punts and, and field position all over the field. So I, I a hundred percent with it. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be excited about a punter being picked, but I, I will totally be excited if it works out on Sundays and they can actually pin guy pin teams <laughs> on the other side of the field uh, or inside the 20. So yeah, the more than likely I would take a punter, 
um, at this area of the uh, at this area of the draft. Um, so if I'm looking around, what do I see here? Ugh. This is where it gets rough. This is where this the, is really rough. This is where the draft. Uh, this is where the draft. People can tell me all about how deep this draft is, and I and I sit there and go, "You sure about that?" <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Waller's interesting. This is where this is where Steve would have really earned his money tonight. You know, would have really earned his dollar. Well, that, like this is where the other the other position that stands out to me is like a possibility here is you know if they do trade Adirnis Johnson is do they find a guy that can come in and fill that role for him? And I that's don't, where I'm at. That's who I'm picking. To be honest, while you look, I'll share mine. I'm going to pick Pierre Strong, a guy I've really liked out of South Dakota State. Um, I've picked him in several of these. I hope I'm not being too redundant for you guys, but. Uh, I just like his fit in a zone scheme that can also be able to handle some gap downhill right now concepts. Uh, so I'm in. If, the, if if Strong's age checks out, I need to to double check that. Somebody might be able to tell me in the comments, and Steve might be texting me that answer. But I, I think his age is right, and he's an interesting player that could be another type of Dearness. So I'll throw it back to yours. Well, I mean, like this is a guy I don't think will be available in the seventh round, but and I've already taken three receivers. But Javon, Javon Hay uh, from South Carolina is, is certainly somebody that I, I think the Browns could be interested in. Um, this is also a spot where I could see the Browns take a defensive tackle and just be like, yeah, I know he's a thousand years old, but I just don't care because it's the seventh round and we need somebody who can get in there. And uh, Do you think they bend on the guardrails on that stuff a little this year? I only – Consider it, you know, I, I know as far as rounds one through three. Yeah. Once you get to day three, again, if you're talking about one contract players, I think that that becomes an easy spot to sort of bend that. So like the guy that um, makes a lot of sense, and I don't think he'll last this long, but if he's sitting there at the top of the fourth round, that's a guy where Boye Mafe would be like, run the card up. He's, I know he's 23. I get it. But – he's going to fill a role and he's going to be able to play right now. So I, I, you know, I don't overall get too, too caught up um, in that, that type of problem. You know, like I, I, I don't think they're going to suddenly take 24 year olds. I don't like, I don't, I don't think they're going to take the 24 year old tight end out of Virginia tech, for example, who is interesting. I love, like, I love what I see from him, but then you, you just look at the age and you're like, eh. uh, so we got to we are out of quarterbacks. That is that is sad. <laughs> Every single one is getting picked in this draft. Uh, Which no. quarterback are you interested there? If the guy was there, who are you liking? Uh, the guys that interest me are. Yeah, uh, I don't. Again, I don't think they're going to make it this far. Dustin Crum is interesting to me. Uh, Caleb Ellaby from Western Michigan is interesting to me uh, because he's twenty-one. Uh, you know, he's a toolsy guy. Um, and then the guy who interests me and, and, and is probably not going to get drafted is Derek King. Like, I, I know all the reasons you're going to say, well, he's not that good. And, you know, he's too short and all these other things. But he was, you know, if you just go off based of efficiency, he's the best quarterback in the entire class for his career, which is not good on a number of fronts. But, 
just sort of like that's a guy who hangs around for a little while maybe. Um, and Jack Cohn from Notre Dame is not bad. I think he's a guy. If you, again, if you go by efficiency, he's like the best quarterback they've had in like a decade. Um, but he's not exciting. He's just sort of a he does it right um, type guy, and and you can sort of you know fall asleep with him. But uh, you know, I, I think he's a guy that's sort of interesting. Like the the thing is like. To me, I think you want to take a quarterback. If you want to take a third-string quarterback, I'm with it. You just have to understand that he has to be good enough to take a 50, one of the spots on the 53-man roster, and I don't know how many guys are good enough to do that. Like, There's almost always somebody you'd rather have on your football team. So when you look at it like that, um, that's where I go, I don't want to invest. I want a guy I'm okay allowing to get to the practice squad or – you just wait till other teams cut their guys that they drafted and aren't going to make it and claim them on your practice squad. So like, it's, it's a, it's again, it's talking about reps and all these other things. Uh, those are guys that will uh, uh, be interesting. Okay. So the guy I'm going to take is Mike Rose from Iowa state. Um, he's young. Uh, he is, He's from he, he's from here. He's like right around us. I don't remember off that. He might be from like Brexville. Um, he had an unbelievable 2020 season. He had like four interceptions. He had all these plays. Like Iowa State had that great run, and he was a huge part of it. And um, he had a great year. And then this year, he sort of was like more what he is, which is a a heavy, thick, you know, heavy padded run stuffer. It just sort of works gap to gap, you know, B gap to B gap and just vacuums things up. Like um, he was a guy I was really excited about potentially participating in the senior bowl. And then he pulled out because of it. I think he had a shoulder injury or something like that, but Mm -hmm. um, he's the type of guy like those thick run stuffing guys that really don't have another job. I think you can find those guys at the end of the draft day three. There's always guys sort of hanging around and half of them start for the Eagles. Uh, (laughs) It's just, you know, that just do their job and, 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 you know, find a role. I dig it. I like it. This is good, Pete. These are, these were two good mocks. We talked about in depth, why we made some decisions ahead of the drafts that we made. You see Pete's in front of you with uh, George Karloftis with the, the edge from Purdue at pick 13 going sky Moore, Drake Jackson back at edge, Isaiah likely at 98, uh, Donovan West at uh, pick one Oh five, Justin Ross, one sixteen, And then, um, Boy, you're gonna have to. How do you pronounce the last name of that? For the kid from I Texas think it's Tech? just. I think you just pronounce it like it's just an M. I think it's just Ezukama, but uh, right, if it, it might be Ezukanma. Got it, Ezukama. Okay, and then and then Rose, and I think that's Butler there too. So, uh, on my side, I'm not sure if you can see my screen very well now. If I switch it over, Drake London, I went with Sanders as the edge in the second round. Robinson, a wide receiver, took some inside out flex with Logan Hall, a corner, and Mario Goodrich that I enjoy. And then uh, Rosenthal, the tackle, Cook at safety, went punter, which Pete said he would have gone punter to at some point probably had he given that chance with TDN. they got to get that updated. And then um, I did figure out Pierre Strong is 23 and will turn 24 at the end of the year, December. So that might not be a a guy they take there because they want that guy to be young. So they could. I mean, Demetric Felton was, you know, not 23 or anything, but he was older by their standards. I mean – We'll see. I, I'm, I'm, you know, again at the seventh round, if they find a guy who's gonna, they think can produce and can, and can contribute. I mean, how old was Dearness Johnson? He wasn't super young when they got him. Uh, obviously, I don't not think so. 
Is Dearness 27 right now? I'm not sure what his age is right now. Yeah, I, I mean, off the fishing boat, he's I think 28. he's 24. 26. He just turned 26, so even yeah, younger so. than I anticipated there. But, yeah, no, I'm with it. I think this is the one draft where the weird extra year impacts a ton. So, listen, this was fun. Uh, we, we covered a bunch of different angles, a couple drafts. Hopefully you enjoyed them. I will post these drafts on, uh, on the OBR timeline. I'll have Pete send me his over, and then uh, I will pull mine too and – post those for you guys to have some banter about pete this was a blast man hopefully we can uh, get you on to chat again either right before the draft or after the draft but it's good to have your take on a lot of these guys i know people learned a lot from you man can't thank you enough yeah i appreciate it as always love doing it all right guys that's uh that's it for tonight we're gonna check back in with you tomorrow night we're obr weekly make sure you keep your eyes peeled uh for for the announcement of that and what time they're gonna start at seven o'clock that should be on as regularly scheduled so Make sure you tune into your Discord to see when we go live. Again, thanks to Pete. Thanks to you guys for joining. That's the end for tonight, and we sign off with our usual. Go Browns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.